there. Welcome to the Moving Up Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Wilson. I'm here to dish out practical advice to help you elevate your business and your life. I'm the CEO of the Wilson Group Real Estate Services here in Nashville, Tennessee. So you know we're going to be covering ground in the real estate industry. But you'll also be hearing from expert leaders in the personal development and entrepreneurship communities. So pull up a seat because we're about to have a lot of fun. It's time for you to move up. Let me tell you guys about Studio Bank. Studio Bank is passionate about what their members create, and they're here to support you through the process. They provide capital and services to build businesses. They offer mortgage and home loan options, whether you're a first-time home buyer or purchasing your fifth home. They work with artists to reach their audiences. They help nonprofits transform our communities. And often the most important work they do is simply empowering individuals to pursue their dreams. They're here because what you create matters. We're all creating something from the artists on Music Row to the business leaders throughout our community, even those caring for their families. We're all building, growing, dreaming, and improving. We're a community built on collaboration and creativity. That's what makes us Nashville. Let's create something together. Visit studiobank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender, NMLS number 1761767. So excited about our guest today, Will Humphrey is the owner and lead appraiser with Vector Appraisals. Will grew up in Nashville and, like me, is a native. He started his career in Colorado after graduating from the University of Tennessee, Go Vols. But he started appraising in Colorado and moved back to Nashville in 2006, where he has seen as many changes as we have. Will's an adventure guy, loves to ski and surf. And as I'm looking at Will, I'm debating whether or not he got bit by a shark or what, but he just got bit by a surfboard. And that's a mean cut, Will. And Will is here today to help us as realtor understand how we can be helpful and tips in getting the house ready for appraisal. So let's jump in and get the show going. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Moving Up Podcast with Christy Wilson. And I've got my trusty sidekick, Heather Warmbrod. Hey, Heather. Hi, Christy. How are you today? I'm good. good. How are you? I am very good. And I am so good because our guest today is one of my favorites in the business. We have Will Humphrey with Vector Appraisals with us. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? It's going great, it's Will. Good. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, this is exciting. We are excited to have you because there's... So much that's happening in the market in 2021, Mm -hmm. and appraisals, of course, are the big thing that makes our world go around to get someone's mortgage complete. Yeah. And so you were very kind and joined us at the Wilson Group about a month or so ago to educate us a little bit more in our professional development classes on appraisal. First of all, I just want to talk a little bit about you. Yeah. How did you get started in appraisal? How long have you been doing it? So after um, college, I moved to Nashville. Then shortly after that, I moved to Colorado and was just looking for a job, you know, living out there. And my friend in Nashville was like, hey, you should check out real estate appraising. So put an ad in Craigslist and met my mentor through there, who happened to be working at the largest appraisal firm in the country, Forsyth Appraisals. And he taught me the ropes. Two years later, I was a certified appraiser in Colorado. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so to become an appraiser, do you have to do an, a two-year internship? Now it's a one-year internship. It's a one-year internship. It's, um, I think 
128 class hours and 1,500 hours of doing real estate appraisals got with it. your mentor. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. So how long were you in Colorado? Uh, six years. Six years. Mm-hmm. Very good. And, and then that company, Forsyth Appraisals, said, you want to open up an office in Nashville? And my wife and I are from here. So we moved back and did that. Awesome. Yeah. Very good. So what's the, what's the appraisal industry like right now? Ooh, that is a good question. <laughs> so someone yesterday told me that 50% of appraisals are now getting appraisal waivers. So if you have really good credit and mm-hmm. the Freddie and Fannie can run a, a good analysis on your home, the chances of you getting appraisal are cut in half now. So their, their, their valuation models can do a lot of that heavy lifting for them. Nice. So, Has that cut into y'all's business at all? Yeah, 50%. Yeah. Oh, so you feel it on so that 50%. So we feel it, yeah. So we're getting a lot more of your Sylvan Park, East Nashville, and a lot less of your, you know, planned ur- urban developments in Bellevue and the outer, in the suburbs. So we're Got getting it. some of the harder stuff now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting because when I go on a listing appointment and it's a super unique property and there are just no comps at all and we're yes. trying to figure out how do you price this thing? I always recommend calling an appraiser. Yes, <laughs> give always it to call us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully Christy will give you my email address and email me or call me. I love talking shop with. We're going to give all of that. In fact, why don't yeah. we give that right now? We'll give it now and then at the end of the show. Okay, so it's uh, Will Humphrey. The email address is will at vectorappraisals dot com, and the phone number is six one five seven one five four five one eight. Awesome. And, and we'll get it added to the show notes as well. Yeah. Perfect. Show notes perfect. Yeah. Yay. That's good. So you own your company mm-hmm. and how many appraisers are working for you right now? 10. 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good deal. So we have, they specialize in each neighborhood. So if you need a house measured or an appraisal done in a, East National, we have a guy that specializes in that area. Got it. Mm-hmm. And one way we use Will also and his team of appraisers is when we're about to list a house and we don't have accurate square footage, mm-hmm. you guys also will come out and do a professional measurement. Yes, for the with a laser and an iPad. It, yeah, very it's, precise. it's awesome. Yeah. And it's so funny, in new construction, the builder submits their plans and specs to codes to get their building permit, mm-hmm. and they'll put that as the t- in the tax record as the square footage. And yet, a builder always seems to find more square footage. I just did one 10 minutes before I got here. Did you? Yep. And I think it was, he actually, the blueprints and the, my measurements were the same, but sometimes they aren't. So you did one for me, um, Gracious. This was back in March. And I think there's about 300 more square feet. It's an HPR, Ooh, horizontal yeah, park good. regime. So we were going, yay, because they just, the, yeah. the building just grew. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So we were happy about that. I was very happy with the measurements. Yeah. So right now, with the market being as appreciating happily mm-hmm. yeah. as it is, how do you guys keep up? That is a crazy question. So what we do is we look at the last year, and then we look at the last six months, and then we look at the last three months, and we watch how much the, that market has been appreciating in those times. And we really take a, a big a macro view and see what the appreciation is per rate or per month in that neighborhood, and we apply that. So if a house sold three months ago and it is 2% per month, then we would bring that up 2% per month okay. to the current to the current date. So Got it. we look at the, hit, the past and just kind of trend it forward to the current report. And when you do that, I know uh, once the appraisal is complete, it goes back to the lender, then it goes through underwriting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does the underwriter ever challenge the trend, the 2% a month, or do you have to send your report of how you can prove that? We send our report with how we can prove it, but they do sometimes question. And 
in some markets, if the highest sale is $600,000 and we come in at $675,000, they're going to be like, hold on just a second. The high end is the ceiling is six hundred. dollars Why do you think? And then we just have to provide more documentation. Right. Got it. Where we are in Nashville, the highest sale in Sylvan Park may be $1.2 million, but there's a sale for $1.3 million. So we really have to say, hey, underwriter, it's crazy. We have people come in from all over the country with a lot of cash and the market is growing and this value of 1.3 is supported. Got it. Yeah. What is the current market like? So the current market is, um, that was, I thought about this, that this morning. Um, the current market it really depends on what neighborhood you're in and what price point you're in. So if you're in a neighborhood and in, in the $1 million mark, it is hot as it can be. Mm-hmm. But if you're in Bellmead in the $16 million mark, it's not very hot. But overall, it's still just flaming hot in Nashville right now. Right, yeah. right. Heather and I were talking about how July and August tends to slow down a little bit. And I know you guys probably lag about a month from where we are. Yep. Have you felt any bit of a lag? Yes. Yeah, okay. It has slowed down. And I can tell in my inbox in the morning how many emails I have, what kind of a day it's going to be like. And today I had just a few, and some days I have a ton. But it's I think everybody's getting ready to go back to school and right. vacations, mm-hmm. and it just kind of takes a breath. But as soon as kids go back in the next two or three weeks, it's time to go again. Yeah, I feel like mid-September is it's when gonna it's It's going to be like, crazy. It's yeah. going to be like the spring, I think. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Which is fun. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I know. I was um, teaching a class this morning. I said, guys, remember this is a marathon, not a sprint. Oh, I my gosh. I feel like we are in this for, I think, 2027. We're just in this solid, solid market. I would like to agree with you. I really would. Yeah. I, I think that's right. have no, like right now in this little shift that we're feeling, and we'll know for sure in September if this yeah. was just your normal July, August shift, or if it's something different. But I just feel like the shift is... So we have difficult. a lull here and we have a lull from Christmas to the Super Bowl. So every year I tell my guys, like, take a breath, breathe yeah. right now because yeah. yep. it's about to come back. Yep. I get it. Yep. I get it. So when you're looking, when you're doing an appraisal, you're looking at your subject property. What are the main things that you're looking at when you're comparing? The biggest thing is, the biggest few things, I guess, would be the site size, the gross living area. And the quality and condition; those are the most, those are the biggest drivers of value. Obviously, the land, you know, location, 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 and then how big your house is and how nice it is. Those, mm-hmm. those are the big drivers for us. So, when I'm meeting with a seller for the very first time, oh, my house isn't ready to be seen yet. I'm, it's not clean. I'm like, well, don't worry. I'll just come through so I can give you your list of mm-hmm. things to do. Mm-hmm. And then, once we get on the market, go under contract. A question they often ask, do I need to have it in market ready condition for the appraiser when he comes by? I would say yes. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Because And I'm just being honest because it just shows that you take care of your stuff. And if it smells good and the beds are made and the floors are swept, it just means that the HVAC is probably running. I know this I'm assuming things, but it means the HVAC is running well and the hot water heater is running well and you're just you're on top of things and you're taking care of it. Because if clothes are everywhere and there's dust on the window seals and it just smells terrible, then you may say, hey, that their HVAC may not be working very well. Their roof may. I mean, we're, we're humans too. Appraisers yeah. are humans too. Well, and in that appraisal report, you were saying that you look at quality and condition mm-hmm. and there's a, those two pages, I guess, that all the condition yeah. things. So, so how do you assign the condition of the property? So a lot of that is we, they're either Q1 is the nicest house that you, I've probably been in two or three in my life. You've probably been in two, as experienced as you are, two or three, just, just amazing. Mm-hmm. Down to Q6, which is just like a house made of plywood. Okay. So that's how we do the, the quality rating. And then a lot of these houses are Q3. Um, and that's just what kind of tiles do they use on the roof? What kind of carpet? What kind of hardwoods? And then condition is C1 would be 
brand new house. C2, someone's barely lived in it. C3 is probably where most of us live, where, you know, your AC's four or five years old. Mm-hmm. The, the floors look good. Everything's in good running shape, maybe a little bit. And then C4, things get a little bit worn down. That's how we kind of do the Got condition it. rating. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's always helpful when I'm reading a report, see how you guys assign a, the, C, yeah. the C's mm-hmm. and the Q's. Yes, to exactly. It. Very, exactly. very helpful. We're talking a little bit about unique properties. What would be the most unique property you've seen? Oh my gosh. So the most unique property I have seen, it was probably the first two or three years in Colorado, was it was about 20,000 square foot Japanese styled house, huge house in the middle of the plains of Colorado that had an indoor pool atrium that was one of the most beautiful things I'd seen. And it was $5 million back in 2006, which back then, that is a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. It was just an amazing house. Yeah. So 20,000 square feet. Was it a family who lived there? Or yes. Two? Okay. One family. Tell us more. Yeah, right. <laughs> when I say Japanese, it, it was like gray with like the blue, you know, the, the uh, like architecture. The, pa- the pagoda style. The pagoda style. Mm-hmm. And it was, but everything was just mega. Oh, everything. Neat. And just the indoor pool slide and... It reminds me of uh, the Chattanooga Choo Choo. Did you ever go as a yeah. child? Oh my gosh. With, you know, the waterfalls inside yes. and those slides. It was like that at someone's house. It wow. was so cool. So when you said that, there was, when I was little, we'd go to Gatlinburg and yeah. there was a hotel called the Glenstone Lodge that we'd stay at and <laughs> mm-hmm. it had an indoor pool. Would, and an indoor pool equates to a parent as an indoor babysitter. Exactly. <laughs> so I can relax. Mom and dad would get their cocktails. Those yeah. kids were in the pool. Yeah. That big slide. Oh. So much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. Well, there was a house that was going to be built on Hillsborough Road where Snead dead ends into Hillsborough Road. Yep. And it never came to fruition, mm-hmm. but the rumor on the street was that it was going to be about a 25,000 square foot house that a professional basketball player wow. had bought that. And there was going to be a full, you know, full court basketball court mm-hmm. in there and all these cool things. I don't, really remember what happened to all that. I know it never got built. Yeah. There's some sport courts. Have you seen where people are doing indoor sport courts are really cool. And yeah, there's some people are doing some really cool design. Can I ask you about pools? Yes, please. please. How with this desire in the last year for people to put in pools and the backlog of, of pool companies are reporting to have custom pools put in. Yes. How are you guys handling that when a home is, you know, up for appraisal and they have a really nice pool as opposed to, Two years ago or a year ago. So the value of the pool has gone up. Okay. If you have a pool, you're expected if you have a million dollar house, a pool, you should have a pool. But if you're in, you know, a neighborhood with $200,000 houses, a pool is going to be worth a lot less than it would be mm-hmm. in um, the million to $2 million house. So are you asking how we would value them? Or the, just, I guess, confirming that the value has gone up. But the value absolutely has gone up. Yeah. and. I haven't seen this too, but people were saying since quarantine that people have wanted larger houses. And because and, I think there was a trend to get away from larger houses mm-hmm. until quarantine. And I think that's going back up, but I haven't necessarily paid attention to that yet or haven't really noticed it. But people are buying bigger houses. I yeah. I mean, and you think about it, people did want, especially if you have t- a working mom and dad, they need their space to be on Zoom and then the kids need to Zoom and, mm-hmm. and clap for classroom, yep. school. And you needed that space. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the stories I've heard from clients of how they made all that work is mind blowing. <laughs> you know? We got to see it in action as appraisers. It was oh, guys bet. in closets, moms in closets, kids in the basement. It was mayhem yeah. there for a while. And we just I, put our masks on and 
<laughs> don't don't pay attention to us. <laughs> <laughs> Get you to your next bigger house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and on pools, I, I understand what Heather's asking too, because it used to be, would pools improve value or would they detract from value on an appraisal? Were improve. They actually improve. Improve. Okay. And even more so now. Even more so. Right. And even, and that's what I was saying, that the million dollar, million dollar plus, you're almost expected in this environment, you know, a temperate Tennessee summer have a pool, but anything below 700, it's a bonus, but it's not necessary. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and speaking of things that houses have, we as realtors and probably you as appraisers, but not so much, have fits over basements, mm-hmm. over yeah. the mm-hmm. finished basement, the unfinished basement. Mm-hmm. How is that valued? Why is it not as valuable? Can you talk a little bit about basements? This is a PSA that my one of my best appraisers wanted me to mention today for the, for all realtors. <laughs> so when you, in the MLS, you want to put the basement in the basement section of the MLS. Yeah. Some people combine, like on a raised ranch, they'll have everything. Like it's a thousand square foot house with a thousand square foot basement and they'll call it a 2000 square foot house. That's hard for our for when we report on appraisals to kind of tease that information out. So if everybody would just put the basement in the basement line and the square footage on the top line, that'd be great. Um, but basements, it really depends on price, what price you're in. But a lot of it's pretty much 50 to 75% of upstairs value, of gross living area, that value. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so, and that's the argument that real estate agents try to get their arms around. And then mm-hmm. we have to explain it to our sellers yes. who say, well, this is a finished basement. Look how awesome it is. Mm-hmm. And and it's awesome, but it's the way. I, okay. The way I explain this is when I grew up, I had a basement in my house and we spent half the amount of time in that basement as we would upstairs. Mm-hmm. And it was a cool basement. It had a TV and a pool table. and But you would mostly be in your bedroom or your living room or your kitchen. Mm-hmm. So it just it is worth less because you use a basement less. Yeah. And a lot of people will say, oh, but we use ours all the time. Well, sometimes a lot of people do, but most likely you would use your basement less than you would upstairs. Right. Yeah. Right. And then same thought process. Um, you've got a finished basement and then you have the garage in the basement. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've, I have one like this right now and they finished out the garage part to be an amazing gym. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is over the top. Amazing. They have central heat and air in there, Yee, but nice. it's still it's concrete floor. It's just got the rubber mats yeah, that's for, for workout. Which I consider finished. Okay. And concrete block walls yep. and all that. No windows. I would consider it finished. Okay. So did they take the garage away? No, the bays are still there. Okay. And they open no, the no. bays and have like, um, can you park a car there still? Yes. Okay, good. That, I would not take away from the garage. I think a garage would be worth more than the finished basement in that instance. Yay, that's what I told them. <laughs> yeah, it would be for sure. And you know why? Because you're like I am. We look at – appraisers look at it as the typical consumer. Mm-hmm. That's We're supposed mm-hmm. to just be like the guy coming off the street. Oh, this house has this, this. It doesn't have this, this. We That's how we're supposed to approach our values, looking, to, looking at it through the eyes of the typical consumer. So I guess that's how you saw it. That's how I saw it. Yeah. I, th- I thought most people are going to use this to park their cars mm-hmm. and not as a workout. Yeah. As nice it would be to have the workout, but it, once those folks move and take the workout stuff. So there should be concrete floors it, and right. cinder block walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, we asked you about the most unique property. Have you ever gone into properties that are scary? Like oh, felt my like gosh. That brings me, the one that I tell people about is I went to a house in Colorado. It was kind of in the industrial part of Denver. And I... W- Open my door and I was like, ooh, what's that smell? Hmm, very, very strong. And I get closer and closer and it's stronger and stronger. And then I look in the window and there's a cat. Look in the other window, another cat. 
this person must have had 20 cats Ooh. in that house. And I got, <laughs> I was just held my nose. And as an appraiser, you learn to breathe through your mouth. Yeah. And I got through there as quick as I could. But it was the strongest, probably the strongest smell that I've ever smelt in my life. Oh it was my amazing. gosh. I've been in a house like that. It was over in East Nashville and I got to the front door and it wasn't cats. It was a hoarder and they had so much trash Mm -hmm. and they had the pathways through the house. And when I got to the front door, you could smell that Mm -hmm. gross smell. And when she opened the front door, because the owner was there, the hair on my head just literally blew back. That smell was so bad. (laughs) And she was raising mice and rats in aquarium for snake food was her job you win it's the craziest <laughs> thing i've ever heard it was awful this is did she did you sell it yeah uh, yeah, yeah no my buyer okay. who was an investor and this is late 90s early 2000s mm-hmm. before east nashville had way taken off mm-hmm. and uh he said man even this one's a little much for me mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean the oh gosh it's in the subfloor it's in every, it's yeah. everything yeah I, I mean, I could go on and on about this house, but Lord, it was the worst Ooh, one I've ever seen. Gosh. Yeah. Remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, yeah. it's funny. It's just funny. Being in real estate just gives you insight to so many different type of personalities. It and, really and does. And how people, just people live different, different And it ways. makes you, so that's why I tell my other friends about why I think this job is so good. Because you can go into a house like that mm-hmm. and then you can go the same day into a $2 million house right. in the nicest part. And you're like... I could, you just get to see the whole gamut of the human condition. That's you right. really do every day. For us, in two or three houses a day, we see the gamut of the human condition every day. It's That's amazing. That's a great way to and say it. And it's a great it. perspective. Mm-hmm. It really is good perspective. Mm-hmm. It is. And it helps us as realtors on how to guide your seller to put their house in the best marketing condition as possible. Mm-hmm. So this yes. house sat on the market because A, B, mm-hmm. and C. Mm-hmm. And this one sold like that because That's right. it was ready. That's right. Ready for that consumer that, to come That in. is a big... That is true. That's why I tell all the the agents I see, like, make it smell like candles or fresh baked cookies or make it smell good. Because that's, for me, that's the first thing I notice. I'm like, oh, that's, oh, or oh, that's so pleasant. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and it can really set the tone of someone coming into your listing. One of our tricks is when you go into a house, and it may not even smell bad. It may just smell stale. Stale, yeah. We take bounce fabric softeners Mm -hmm. or dryer sheets and put that in the heat and air return so when that comes on it smells like fresh laundry i need to do that yeah, yeah. I need to do that it's house. a good little trick <laughs> how many kids do you have i have two you have two yeah okay. they are irish twins and they're both 12 this week and next week oh wow oh, yeah wow. very so cool. one turns 13 and like next week both boys both boys yeah okay yeah boys just have a unique smell they, yeah uh, uh, Heather's the got three. you have three wow i have three yes good lord give it yes. my 13 year old is starting to get the unique smell uh-huh. yeah yeah youngest is 14 goes up to 18 oh wow so you're in the middle of it yes Ooh. yeah i'll go into houses rental houses especially where it's college guys or guys mm-hmm. right out of college and it just smells like the sae house or the fidel <laughs> house it's, or all smells the same. It's just, i mean that smell never leaves your nose <laughs> It does. No. It does. It's just oily dude. It's just like, it's dude. Yeah. It's yes. like, blah, mm-hmm. Whatever. Yes. <laughs> Y'all need some bounce. Uh, that is, <laughs> I don't think that would cut through it. Yes. <laughs> and I will say, I love that trick over going into the Glade plugins in every hour. Yeah. Because to me, that's almost a red flag. That's a red as flag to, to me what too. are you trying to cover up? Mm-hmm. But I like your suggestion because that's just a little scent that I just like passes that. by. And and it's, it's gentle. Mm-hmm. And, and then it, as it's going, since it's going through the heat and air filter, it's distributing through the house evenly instead of walking in the room, in the front living yeah. room where there's that Glade plug in or the diffusers with those little sticks mm-hmm. of whatever in them. 
That um, is a great idea. Trick of the trade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you go to do an appraisal, Will, what is most helpful for the realtors listening? What is the most helpful thing for you, for us to do to make your job easier and to make sure y'all can see the value? Yeah. So three closed sales with a few handwritten notes on why you chose these sales for your pricing of your house. Okay. That is the most helpful thing you can possibly do. Like this house is across the street and I walk through it and it doesn't have as good of a kitchen, but the bathroom's remodeled and write little hand notes and on that, on that MLS sheet, hand it to the appraiser or email the appraiser. And if you send me 14 sales, I can't, it doesn't help me. I'm just like, I don't, I can't, I don't have time to look at that. But yeah. two or three is perfect. Good to know. Because mm-hmm. usually as an appraiser, we base our value on two or three really good sales, mm-hmm. you know, and we're hoping as the appraiser that the real estate agent is a professional and use sales in the market to, to price their house. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I've got to meet an appraiser. I, I don't got to. <laughs> I have the opportunity to meet an appraiser this yes. evening at one of my um, listings. And it's one that sold for well over what we listed for. And um, so I've been trying to get my comps to make sure. Do you have any comps? Zero. <laughs> I mean, I have all the comps from where I listed it, to, um, which and it was still listed high. Yeah. Or not not aggressively high, but, you know, higher than the comps, but enough where you can make sense of it mm-hmm. with your 2% appreciation, yeah. you know, when you look at that. And now with this new price, there's there's zero support. And so I went back to my contract and was reading through the contract and Blessedly, the buyers have waived appraisal okay, um, good. on it because I've just been like pulling my hair out this afternoon trying to find comps on this just one. Just be honest with him. Say, yeah. we listed it high. These are what I, these three sales, this is what I used. And good luck, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's difficult. It's all you. Yeah. <laughs> now, if a house has multiple offers, if I tell you, okay, this house is high, but we had six offers come in, does that affect? Uh, your opinion it does all? not affect our opinion because how qualified are those offers and yeah i hear it all the time and it doesn't really it doesn't really make a difference for us but it does show that there is a demand but it doesn't when the underwriter calls me and says what are you doing you've you've appraised this too high i can't say they had multiple offers it doesn't mean no good right so okay. i had a listing in a very popular neighborhood but it was weird. It was quirky. Yes, it was um, the floor plan wasn't open. Mm-hmm. Most people like in this neighborhood like the open floor plan, more of the white, mm-hmm. yeah, airy, all that. And this one, this house was dark and had smaller windows. It was a 2014 build. It was a, a nice enough home, mm-hmm. but it nowhere near compared to what's being built today. And it was mm-hmm. a custom home. Yep. And so I priced it again. I was thinking in the buyer's mind because if I did it with the comps of the newer builds mm-hmm. like I, I tried to find everything under 2017 yes between good let's say 2010 and 2017 gotcha so I wasn't really old and i wasn't really new and the appraiser called me and i really like this appraiser too he said i know this isn't your first rodeo but you really <laughs> i i can't get the value as low as what your contract sales price is wow and i said well we only had one offer we only had five showings and I'm like, I knew this one was going to be a stumbling block for people because it wasn't what the buyer wants today. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, so I, that makes sense. And there were some other external yeah. factors of the the stuff close by mm-hmm. next to yeah. it as well. But it was such an interesting conversation because, you know, I know we sold it where it was going to sell because we only had one <laughs> offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But it was an interesting conversation. That is interesting. And he was so sweet because he scared me to death when he left the voicemail. He's, oh. I'm having a little trouble on your um, appraisal. I'm like, holy cow. On that one. <laughs> and, uh, 
But it's hard for us to quantify a unique four plane. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard for us to. So we just like he there probably there were no numbers to show that or other comparables that were similar with that. Right. That what we would typically do is try to find something that maybe has some that we call that functional obsolescence, which means you can't fix it. Okay. So we would try to find something that maybe backs to railroad tracks or, you know, is on a busy street and kind of offset it that way. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of something that the buyer. So when a buyer walks in the house, they're like, just for a second, they're like, mm, it's kind of dark and it feels it closed in. Mm-hmm. So the same thing, a buyer would come and be like, oh, but that backs to railroad tracks or, oh, that's kind of something that would give them a little something that's a little off. Maybe it's how we compare that. So this is a question too, because one of my agents came to me with this one today. She has a, a listing she's about to put on the market and it'll probably be a teardown, but the TVA easements are close by. Mm-hmm. And she said, how much does that ding you? And I said, I think it's like building in a floodplain. I think it will ding you. I can't give you an exact percentage, but when you're looking at comps, try to find them where other TVA easements were because that's a nailed it tough one. Yep, or a busy road, or a school, mm-hmm. or whatever. Something that just the buyer may may not may or may not like. But yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And if you're on a TVA easement, a lot of times there will be sales. So yeah, and, and you can so look many. at a satellite view in the tax records, and you can just pick sales out and just see what the prices are the, of those versus the guys across the street Got that it. don't have the easement. Yeah. Yep. Good That's to easy know. to tease out. Good to know. So what can agents do that maybe, or what do they do that's not so helpful for you all? Ah, so Christy's going to meet an agent today, this <laughs> afternoon. When we come and the agent is sitting there at the door, just ready to talk our heads off. And it's oh. just jittery and nervous. <laughs> We're like, immediately, they're not confident in the value. I don't know why it is, but the more talkative and jittery, it almost seems like they're trying to sell us or convince us of something. So that's what it feels like. So the more you could just, like I said, give this, either give the appraiser two or three sales with some handwritten notes and just, because all in all, appraisers are introverted. We like to do our, pra- we like to go out in the field yeah. and go home to our basements and, you know, type them up. Ha <laughs> um, we're, you know, yeah, we just want to do our job. So three closed sales would be amazing. Just don't come on to us too hard. Just don't. Yeah. And a lot of times it's not the appraiser calling me. It's their office manager or secretary or whatever. And I say, well, I'd like to meet the appraiser there. Oh, no, he does not want to meet you there. <laughs> and, and I'm going, but he doesn't know me yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He'll love me, I'm sure. And, uh, and so I try to respect that too. Talk smart. You know, and just say, okay, well, I'm going to leave a packet on the counter mm-hmm. with his name on it or her name because it's there's male and female appraisers. And if he has any questions, please have him call me. One thing there is just get his email address. Emailing the same notes. Ah, good idea. Would be a good idea. Okay. Well, and it's also in meeting the appraiser I recognize, too, that you guys are moving at the speed of light right now trying mm-hmm. to get them all done. Because even yes. though business may be a little slower than it has been, it's been so frenetic and we've had to wait That's right. for appraisers. Yeah. So I know, too, the appraiser may get held up at the last mm-hmm. or they're moving quicker. Yep. And so they want that window so that they can just boom, boom, boom. And that's boom. why they may not want to meet the real estate agent because, yeah, they're in a hurry. They... You know, if we have to meet a real estate agent, then we have to be there between 10 and 10.30. But if not, we could show up, you know, do a couple and be there at noon. So it gives us flexibility. Like, yeah. when we see lockbox on our schedule, every appraiser's like, yes. Got it. No mm-hmm. homeowners, no real estate agents. We can, you know, listen to music on our iPods and just do our job. There so you go. That, that is nice. If when if they don't want to meet you, that's probably the reason. Okay. They say just the freedom and the flexibility to go when they want. I just thought of something along those lines, too. And this has to do with... There's an appraisal for a loan, new mm-hmm. purchase money, and then there's a refinance appraisal. Mm-hmm. Is there anything different between those two? No. 
Okay. Not, not we are there again looking at it as the typical consumer, and the values should be the same, and the whole process is just the same. It's okay, just, it's they're pretty much identical. That's good to know that your HELOC or a second mortgage refinance is the same mm-hmm. type of appraisal as new purchase money. Mm-hmm. Great. So, mm-hmm. how far out are y'all right now, Will? When you get the request for an appraisal. Two weeks. So like you said, we're in a little, a little bit of a lull. I mean, I have some guys that can probably get it in five to seven days mm-hmm. because their area is not as hot as others, but about less than two weeks. And is the majority of the appraisals that you guys do for lenders or are they for individuals who may need their homes appraised for estate purposes? Mostly for, you know, 80% or more is for um, AMCs. I'm sure you're aware. Yes. Yeah. For uh, mortgage companies, appraisal management companies is who we do most of our work for. Talk for just briefly for those who don't know what an appraisal management company is. Yeah. So if a mortgage company needs an appraisal, which they would for a house, they would contact an appraisal management company, would then in turn contact us. Mm -hmm. So we complete the appraisal, send it to them. They may have a couple requests like, you know, you're missing a photo or they may have misspelled the owner's name. They'll send it back to us to make the correction. We'll send it to the AMC. They'll give it their check, and then they'll send it back to the client. And this is due to Frank Dodd mm-hmm. um, because of the mortgage meltdown. And mm-hmm. I forgot when it was, but the mortgage meltdown. And um, yeah, it's just, it keeps a buffer layer between the mortgage brokers and the appraisers. Yep. Which is like a great thing. It's, I, changed, yeah. it's changed everything. It's just made our lives so much easier. I mm-hmm. agree. And here's another question. Let's say you guys appraise something and it's, well below what we think the value should be. Mm-hmm. From the realtor's perspective... From the sales price? From the sales price. Or from what you think the value should be? From what the contract price okay, is. Okay, there we go. Okay. Yeah. So say you've got a contract for $700 mm-hmm. and it appraises for 630 Gotcha. Okay. And as the realtor, you're looking at the comps, your buyer's and the lender's giving you a copy of the appraisal. You're looking at the comps and you're going, oh my gosh, they didn't use these other comps that were superior to what we may think is a better yes. comp. Mm-hmm. How, how do you challenge the appraiser on that without <laughs> making them upset? <laughs> so, you know, we sit, we will send an appraisal thinking we did the best job, but we're busy. We're overworked. Yeah. It's, you know, it's been crazy. But we, me and my guys, especially me, because it will come through, it will come across my desk before I send it to them. And I'll make sure that what... Uh, sales have been sent to us are worth even looking at. If they're worth looking at, we make mistakes. Everybody, we make mistakes all the time. Mm-hmm. And we will change the value if we see if, that those sales that we missed and they are superior. Mm-hmm. We will take a look at them because you may be a specialist in Sylvan Park and you may know things that we don't know that this house sold to his mother and it was, we used it, but it was sold at a discounted rate. Mm-hmm. Or this, you know, this was sold to a millionaire from New York City, whatever it is. You may know more more than we do. So if you send it to the mortgage company and they send it to us, we will take a very close look at it. Okay. And I think we we should, and that's our responsibility. And so for us as realtors, we can call you and say, hey, Will, thank you for doing this report. I have some other comps that could you take a look at and take those into consideration that might help value? No. You have to send them through the mortgage company Mm -hmm. and they have to send it through the AMC. Okay. But I would say get three, there again, three good sales that you use for pricing, a couple hand notes, and send them to the lender. Okay. And that's what I would do. I think that's your best bet. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that would be too if you 
weren't able to meet that appraiser and give him what you were hoping exactly, to get him. Exactly, exactly. With those handwritten notes. I love that, to it's have the handwritten and pre- Yeah, because you guys know your neighborhood. Y'all are pros, yeah. you know? So, yeah, you will know stuff that we don't know because I'm covering everywhere from Dixon to Lebanon to Murfreesboro, our guys are. And we yeah. have neighborhood specialists, but still, if you live in that neighborhood— Yeah, you just know stuff. You know mm-hmm. stuff. It's just— Yeah. Exactly. For exactly. sure. So when's your next surf trip? Oh, We've got gosh. a big surfer on our hands here. I was Just looking at that. Hopefully to go over Christmas. We'll see. Good. Yeah. Good, good. I'm excited. You'll be all healed up by then. I'll be healed up. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you yes. so yeah. much so fun. for joining us yeah, today. This has sure. been so informative. And, you know, this is one of those hiccups that we sometimes face in sales. But it's always so great to have a, a trusted professional who can sort of guide us through. Yeah. And like I gave my number and um, email that are in the show notes. Call me or email me if you have any questions because it usually doesn't take long to answer. Should I conclude this in the basement square footage? What should, is this a Q3 or a Q4? Like any of those questions we can talk over the phone or you can email me. Perfect. Quickly. Yeah. yeah no problem. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The Wilson Group Real Estate Services is one of Nashville's top premier boutique real estate firms. We specialize in working with buyers and sellers for housing, investment, and commercial needs, as well as offering a full-service property management division for your investments. Check out our website today at wilsongrouprealestate.com. Hey, if you're loving the show, go find that little follow button on your podcast app. This will ensure you won't miss a single episode. Until next time.